Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Covington playing Levine, topside three ball, bam! Onions, baby onions! Zach Levine in the Bulls! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Levine to White, this time he gives it to Williams for three. The rookie! The Pumper! What a shot! Host Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Are you flat out kidding me? Matt Peck used to do a great job with the Bulls Outsider Show. Now he's doing Locked on Bulls. There he is, human former. Oh, don't mess with the pooch. But watch this crossover. Bulls bird of free league ghost. So kick back. I'm not. Relax. And get ready for the best hour of your day. Uh, you know, I'm not. You can just see the vibe. And these guys are men. Locked on Bulls starts now. I love it. Pass to Levine with a right-handed jackhammer slam. Oh, my goodness, that was filthy. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. I'm getting out the dancing shoes. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Matt, welcome back. Glad to be doing Mailbag again. We've got a handful of voicemails to get to, so uh, before we get to those, how are you? Jordan, what's going on, man? What's up, Bulls Nation? Looking forward to diving into our inbox and see what we see there. Um... I saw that there's, of course, somebody talking about Dame. Um, <laughs> we talked about Dame man, a little. Bulls fans are just living in a fantasy world right now, but I, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, we touched on Dame a little bit in the uh, in the last episode, and um, I'm sure we'll we'll throughout these voicemails. I'm sure somebody else is going to bring up Dame. So, uh, without further ado, again, if you want to hit us up, you want to leave a voicemail or text message, uh, question, comments. Summary trade hypothetical. You can leave that at a, our text and voicemail line three three one nine seven nine at one three six nine. Let's jump into the first voicemail. Hello, guys. Love y'all, man. Uh, I said I'm being uh, realistic. I think Zach is gone. You know, you don't think you don't think uh, uh, LeBron James and already called him like, hey, come join me. You know, already sold his mansion. But I got a trade a trade scenario for you all. What about we trade Zach Levine and Vooch to the Boston? for Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and a first-round draft pick. I think uh, Jalen Brown is an upgrade. I think he's a superstar. just don't fit with Tatum. And uh, one more thing, you know, uh, I think uh, Billy Donovan was the wrong hire because, you know what I'm saying, Billy, he doesn't uh, hold his, count- his players accountable. Because there's no way that you let uh, Denzel Valentine give an eight-point eight heat check when you try to make a playoff game and the guy get back in the game. He should have got far, far, far on the bench and never got back in the game for Chicago. But your ability, man, I just don't like He don't hold his players accountable. You know what I'm saying? To me, he ain't nothing but a Fred Hoiberg. It just, uh, his first job was, uh, was a better situation. If you would have taken Fred Hoiberg and sent him to, uh, OKC with Westbrook and Kevin Durant, he would have had a winning record too. But uh, what you guys think? You know what I'm saying? I uh, love you guys. Uh, have a good one. Perhaps some good points. Lot to unpack there, Jordan. <laughs> I mean, he brings up some good points about. I don't know if Billy Donovan doesn't hold his players accountable. Like the thing that I thought about first on that, 
was the Daniel Gafford thing. It's like, Gafford went out there, fouled four times, he ripped his ass out of the game and didn't play him for the rest of the game. And Gafford then didn't play for like a week straight. Yeah. So that to me is an example of him holding his players accountable. But I do understand what he's talking about with the Valentine thing. I think that was just more so they didn't have anybody else to use. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't think that Donovan gave Denzel uh, a longer leash than he should have. I think Denzel's minutes as the season wore on were pretty few and far between unless, like you said, the Bulls just needed bodies. Um, and as far as th- that, using that as an example for a larger point of holding his players accountable, I I disagree with that caller. I think that what we have learned about Billy Donovan in his first year in this job and what we know about him from players who have played for him in the past, both at the college level and the NBA level, is that he has figured out the right line to walk between holding his players accountable within the confines of their locker room, their practice facility, their team huddles. What he doesn't do is call them out in front of the media and blame shit on them when things aren't going well. Because that's what the former coach did. Is that what you're saying you would rather have? A coach who does that? Because the most important people in an organization are its players. And players do not want to play for coaches like that. It is no secret that he who must not be named was not popular with his players and a straw poll across the entire league when NBA players were asked, who do you want to play for and who do you not want to play for? Guess whose name was at the top of that list of who do you not want to play for? Because it was the guy who always made a big deal about holding his players accountable. You know, I'm doing like the Farley air quotes with that just because it's so ridiculous because he crashed and burned trying to do it that way. Billy Donovan handles it inside and that's the right way to do it. He also, like, on that specific example, that Valentine example, they were playing Miami. Denzel had just knocked down, I think, two or three threes in that second half to put him back in the game. It's just a dumb decision by Denzel. And believe me, like, Billy Donovan didn't need to go scorch earth after the game and tell Denzel he made a dumb decision. Twitter did that for him. I I would have been okay with it if he did, but... (laughs) But, but But you're right, though. Like, on the boiling thing, you're right. Because then the story becomes not about Valentine's dumbass mistake. It becomes about Boylan ranting about Valentine and ripping his player in the in the media in the post game. That's what it becomes about. So Billy Donovan, I think, did the smart thing by saying, you know what? I'm going to let people roast him because he made a dumb decision. He's got to deal with the consequences of doing that. And I'm also, too, I, I, would, I would say that maybe he empowers his players and his leaders on the team, guys that are actually out on the floor, to do things like that. Say, go have a conversation with Denzel. And like those things I don't even think need to be said with a coach like Donovan. So I, I get his example, too, though. Again, I think it goes back, though, like just didn't have anybody. Just didn't have anybody to go out there and help Zach beat a potential Heat team. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing at the beginning of his call about how he thinks that Zach is gone because he wants to go, you know, play with LeBron in LA. I think that too, man. <laughs> and that's in the back of my head, man. I okay. Whether or not Zach is eyeing his potential unrestricted free agency a year from now, which he'd be a fool not to be thinking about. And maybe an LA team with an aging but still LeBron LeBron and A D if he's still there. Zach sees a potential to finally do some winning when it counts in playoff time. 
the thing about his, you know, his, him selling his house in Chicago, that that's irrelevant because as, as far as I understand it, he had put that house, which coincidentally is four blocks away from where I just moved to. So we missed being neighbors by this much. Zach could have been my best friend, but he put that house on the market two years ago. And it just took a while to sell because it's a $3 million mansion and those don't just sell overnight. I think what happened is that Zach found a place he liked better and had already moved to a different place in Chicago and was still just trying to sell his old place. That's what happened there. Any Bulls fan reading into Zach selling his house is reading into shit that's not there. That's not to say we can be worried about whether or not Zach wants to stay in Chicago and maybe he wants to go to L.A., but his house has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I don't think his house has anything to do with it, too. I bleed, I'm led to believe it by the other examples he's given, like the podcasts he's gone on and talked about how much he was inspired and loved Kobe, and he wears eight because of Kobe. It, it just... All of those have me lined up and thinking like maybe in the back of his mind, he would love to go home and play for a team that he grew up idolizing and, you know, following the footsteps of somebody that he idolized too. I don't think it has anything to do really with LeBron either. Like, I don't know about you, but I think LeBron is going to start thinking about the, the R word and that's, that's retirement. And I don't think Zach has much influence on that. Zach would be like the transition player and the guy to get you to a next generation of Lakers teams. Uh, it, I don't think it has much to do with LeBron unless he's going there this offseason. So I do worry with our caller, though. Like I worry about that whole falling in love with going back to L.A. and playing for the team that he loved. Yeah, and and maybe you know Zach thinking about taking that mantle and being the the new you know big dog with the Lakers if if LeBron is in fact thinking about winding it down. I mean, he's 38, right? Going on 39 or whatever. Like, he's getting up there. But I don't know about you, Jordan. Anytime I start to think that LeBron is on his last legs, he shows you that he's not. And a lot of people looked at this Lakers first round exit and a hobbled AD who couldn't help in games five or six and LeBron not being good enough to carry that team by himself and saying maybe he's too old to do that anymore. I don't know, man. You know, anytime I start as a Bulls fan who has seen LeBron roadblock after LeBron roadblock for the last damn near 20 years, I, I like, I'm like i picturing like that, you know, the gif of the Undertaker where you think he's dead and all of a sudden he just sits up. That That's me trying to not get my hopes up about LeBron retiring anytime soon. Because as soon as you believe that that dude's done, he shows you that he's not done. I think that he was just gassed after the whole bubble thing. And he, at many times this season, kind of was not shy about not loving the way that the players were basically forced into playing this season in a way that they didn't want to. And, like, remember all those comments during All-Star break? You know, like, I will be there in in body, but not in mind and spirit. I'm going to be checked out. LeBron kind of seemed pissed off and checked out all season. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have it anymore. It just means that he could have needed a year off. The injuries are a thing, too. Like, he's never dealt with an injury as severe and how much it took for him to have to get back to the shape that he was in. And then you also think about, like, missing the amount of time that he did. And then you just get yourself back into playing shape, like, figuring out... 
there's so many factors to it too and I think LeBron is facing something he hasn't quite faced in his career either and it's also too playing the other side of it is like LeBron is also a businessman now too so he's thinking about life after his basketball playing days he doesn't necessarily need that anymore um but again you're right man like until he calls it quits or says he wants to call it quits then I'm not sure uh but yeah I, I, like to wrap up that call I, I just I'm with our caller. I said it. I said it a year ago. I, I said it six months ago that I was worried about it. But until that day comes, we'll 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 find out. Yeah. And as for his idea of that trade with the Celtics and Jalen Brown, and that there's a lot going on there. <laughs> I, and and, and I don't know. Smart's if, a superstar. Ah, uh, he's good. He's good. Also, you wonder what kind of uh, green lights that the now executive Brad Stevens will have to start making big changes like that. Um, why would the Celtics know, he, trade either one of those guys like Tatum or Brown? Like, why would you do that? Yeah. I, I mean, you, you see what the Lakers, uh, what the Lakers, what the Celtics lost when they lost Jalen Brown for the season. Like that, that was a big hit. Um, and I, I don't think that that's a player that they'd be looking to trade anytime soon. But again, this crazy shift where Ainge is stepping aside and and Stevens is getting promoted. Who the hell knows what what's going to happen as far as Boston and and their basketball decisions in the next year? Or so, oh, uh, last thing on Zach, real fast, is potential endorsement opportunities in LA would be another reason to to go west. And by the way, we were talking about his endorsements a couple of weeks ago. We didn't follow up. Somebody tweeted at us though. Uh, Zach Levine's on an Adidas contract. That's who he signed with. We couldn't figure out which brand he was with. And he had signed that deal like the year that summer, the first summer Zach was with the Bulls. Um, so pretty cool. Uh, with that, let's go to another voicemail. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, Jordan, other fans, athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting our weekly Locker Room episode on Thursday. We do it a Locker Room episode every week. You can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here on Locked on Bulls every day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA or whatever your favorite sport is. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news and rumors. Be sure to join us for our weekly locker room episodes. We'll be doing one on Thursday this week, so be there. And you can't be there if you don't download that locker room app. Go to download the free locker room app now, currently available on all iOS devices, and there is a beta version available for all of my fellow Android people out there as well. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA groups for the latest league updates. Follow me, same as my Twitter handle, Bulls underscore Peck. Jordan's same as his Twitter handle, Jordan C. Malley, to be notified when our rooms go live. I know you won't want to miss it. Again, we'll be doing one on Thursday this week. We do Locker Room episodes every week here on Locked on Bulls. Can't wait to see you all there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The NBA playoffs are in round two. You can bet on the NHL playoffs, and you can even bet on UFC and MMA action. You can track that all at Bet Online. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the action. Head to your laptop or on your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news. Sign up for their bonuses and check out all their contest information. If you head to their website or use your mobile device today to sign up, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. I actually have a Theragun, Jordan, and have had one for a while. As I get older, I get muscle aches, pains, all of that. I had a, a sore back from my recent move, uh, and Theragun is is doing wonders for, for the quality of my life right now. As I am starting to feel like an old man, Theragun is definitely helping anytime I need a little muscle tension and relief. Theragun's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, Playoff P, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Matt. I am Joseph from Sacramento. Love the show. Um, been a full fan since the 90s, Jordan Ingram. And I've always been a diehard Bulls fan, even when they suck. Um, looking back at this season, yeah, it was a disappointment for sure. Wasn't really expecting much though. But I love the improvement of Zach Levine and I love the acquisition of Nikola Vucevic. But I really want to focus on Troy Brown Jr. I feel like he has a chance to be like a Mikhail Bridges for us, uh, like a 3ND guy who could uh, spread the floor, hit the corner trees, and, you know, uh, be a menace on the defense also. I mean, I've seen flashes of him really doing good defense on the opposing uh, stars, opposing guards, and... Um, I want to hear your thoughts about him, and do you think he's got a future for us as being that kind of guy, like our Michal Bridges for the Phoenix Suns? So, uh, more power to the show. Go Bulls. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, we haven't talked much about Troy Brown Jr., Matt, and I feel like that's more so because we didn't see a whole lot of Troy Brown Jr., after the Bulls made the trade, he got sidelined but with an injury. That's unfortunate because I think he could have helped the Bulls make that 
playoff push. But I said it when we talked about him a few weeks ago. I feel like his recreation could be a Tory Craig or a Will Barton type of player. Uh, but he's spot on on the three and D wing that that we desperately need. Absolutely. Um, and it is a shame that Troy Brown had that significant ankle sprain and we lost out on getting a closer look at him for the final, you know, 15, 20 games of the season. I, the, uh, the Mikhail Bridges comp, I mean, I, I would be elated if that's the kind of player that, that Troy Brown Jr. could be for this Bulls team who, you know, as the caller pointed out, as you pointed out, des- desperately the Bulls need to figure out what the hell they're doing with the wing spot. And you know that we can play Patrick Williams there for some significant minutes. But that's it. Like, <laughs> Hutch was a bust. Denzel, gone. Who else do you have to play that position? You got nobody right now. Unless you go super small and you, you, you're talking about playing three-guard lineups. Uh, if Garrett Temple comes back, Kobe White, Zach maybe playing some some small ball three minutes, things like that. Other than that, we we need an answer, and it, it would be awesome if Troy Brown Jr. could be that guy. As good as Mikael Bridges, I don't know. Have you seen Mikael Bridges lately? Dude is awesome. He he had a monster game for the Suns in their game one win last night. That dude can ball. As far as Troy Brown Jr. being that guy and a three and D guy, we clearly believe that the D part of that is there. The question is whether or not Troy Brown Jr can develop into becoming somebody who keeps defenses honest and spread the floor. Because just looking at his numbers real quick here in his, you know, few NBA seasons, he's averaged somewhere between one and a half and two and a half three point attempts per game, which in 2021 is not much for a guy who is a three and D guy. And in those one and a half to two and a half attempts per game, he's been shooting somewhere between 30%, and his best was 1920 with Washington when he shot 30 just over 34%. He's a career 33% three-point shooter. So, it's not like the dude can't hit threes, but it's not quite there yet and you haven't really seen evidence of his three-point shot getting better and his confidence in taking more of them increasing. Because his attempts have just as I said, they've been waffling between one and a half and, and two and a half. The most he took was that year when he, where he knocked down 34% with the Wizards in 2019-20. Um, with the Bulls, when he came on board, he shot less than two per game. So that that's the question with Troy Brown Jr. Can he also help you on the offensive end? Yeah, I think he, he's like one of those relatively cheap young options too where it's like, hey, maybe we do develop some stuff out of him. I think defense first is is the most important thing for us with him. Uh, he, he won't even be in a starter role. Like his important role will be twenty to twenty two minutes a night. Hopefully, like you were saying, hopefully you can knock down a three at a thirty five percent clip. Like if he can do that, that's fine. Like we don't need him to be a forty percent shooter. I need him to play defense and be competent with the basketball. And when he's asked to shoot a three, you can do that. Those like like we talked about with Patrick Williams, he's the dude that we need to be the guy that's scoring 20, 25 points a game. Like, that can do that consistently. Not Troy Brown Jr. Those are the guys that are going to fill roles. But you're expecting guys like Vooch, you're expecting Kobe, you're expecting Zach, and you're expecting Patrick Williams to fill up the scoring stuff for you. And and maybe it makes guys like Troy Brown's life easier. I think about it that way. Yeah, you don't need him to be some 
scoring machine. You just need him to be able to knock down a three if one of those guys hits him with the pass and he's open. Uh, it's as simple as that. Be able to knock down a three and make it tough on your opponent's defense because if you're, you know, even if you're an elite level defensive player, you're not quite a all the way across the board plus player if you're get if you're given nothing on the offensive end. I mean, case in point, the tail end of Chris Dunn's Bulls career. Oh, oh, yeah. superior defense, creating a lot of turnovers for the Bulls with his with his amazing steals and his on ball defense. And he did cool. those he did those things. He did those things, and he also, for a large stretch of that season, was shooting 19% from three. I don't let people... don't Let's stop slandering Chris Dunn. He's not even here anymore. I don't. I refuse to let people slander Chris Dunn. Uh, but you're right, though. You're, you're right. Like going on the big, big, big minutes for him for the Atlanta Hawks in their playoffs so far. I mean, they got like 400 dudes that are like 50 years old on that team that could play before him. Um, that being said, though... He's in a role, like I said, like go back, like go. F- Tory Craig, what he's doing for the Suns, what he did for the Bucks, what he did for Denver coming off the bench playing 18 to 20 minutes a night. Will Barton's a guy that can fill it up and score you 20 on any given night. I don't think Troy Brown Jr. is going to be Will Barton, but that's the type of player you're looking for. Guys that are versatile, can play multiple positions, long, athletic, play defense first. I think that's what AK wants. And, uh, Let's let's hope. And if not, who cares? It didn't cost you much, did it? It cost you Mo Wagner. That's it. And and Gafford. It it cost you Gafford. But Gafford wasn't going to be the Gafford he is in Washington. Like, Bulls fans keep crying about Gafford. He wasn't going to be that guy with this Bulls team. What do we not understand about that? Right. We saw. I mean, you can call it a small sample size, but the start Gafford crowd got what they wanted for a dozen games this season. And it did not go well. <laughs> um, clearly, he is in a better situation because he is just doing the thing, the thing that he knows how to do on a basketball court, which is set screen, roll to rim. And whether it's Westbrook or Beal or whoever, who is the other person in that two-man game, is throwing him lobs that he could catch and dunk. Or he's finishing around the rim and he's crashing the ball. Like we know that that's what he can do, but he's doing it a lot better, or it appears as if he's doing a lot better in Washington because he's in a better environment where he can excel doing the one thing that he's really good at, and that's okay. And like I think I was talking about it on a solo show like a week a week or so ago, back when the Wizards were still playing, and every like the Gafford hype on on Twitter was crazy. You, if Troy Brown Jr pans out and turns out to be a starter for your team for the next few seasons, uh, a a essential piece of your rotation at the very least, then you can feel better about Gaffer going away. It's like Bulls fans are, are, are watching those Gafford highlights for, you know, a handful of Wizards games feeling like we lost him for nothing. It only feels like we lost him for nothing because we lost Troy Brown Jr. to an ankle injury. And people like forgot. It was like it's it's as if we just gave Gafford away. It's like no, he he went somewhere else, and we brought in a new player. It's called a trade. We just didn't get to see the full fruits of that trade from our side because the player we traded for got hurt. It it happens. I'm also thinking about it too. You also got Tyson that deal too. Uh, yeah. So the thing about Gafford, which is funny, 
is like Gafford's not being asked to, hey, go out and try to develop your defense. And guess what? We need you to be able to switch on defense and we need you to be a better shot blocker. Washington was just like, no, dude, we need a dude that can catch lobs that are thrown 12 feet in the air by Russell Westbrook. Can you do that? Can you give us 15 points a night doing that coming off the bench? It, two different scenarios, two different situations. Right. And Bulls fans got to start realizing that, too. Is like guys are having successful be, success other places because they're asked to be, they're asking to do their strengths. Exactly what you're saying. They're asked to do what they're good at. They're not asked to develop other skills and try to make them a more complete player. That's what the Bulls were trying to do over the last couple of years with some of these guys. And it, it just didn't work out. It sucks, but it didn't work out. But you ended up landing Tice and a chance at what could potentially be a good player in Troy Brown Jr. So I'll take right. it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you really want to see a good season from Troy Brown Jr. next year. Whereas I said, maybe he's a starter, maybe he's not. But either way, he's giving you at least 20 good minutes every night and giving you what your team needs, which is defense and hopefully also a little bit of shooting. Um, On that note, and also too, like I think about the Troy Brown Jr. thing as a swap with Chandler Hutchison. Chandler Hutchison wasn't, wasn't playing another minute in a Bulls uniform. After him and Billy Donovan, whatever conversation those two had, and it goes back to what we talked about. I... It wasn't a conversation about here's the things you need to do to get better. It's hey, if you want to be, if you want to be a shithead, then we'll find somewhere else where you can be a shithead, and that happened. So I I really want to know what exactly happened there because we still don't really know. It was just like, yep, Donovan and Hutch had a conversation, and he will not be playing for the, for the foreseeable future. And you're like, uh, okay. Yeah, we can infer a lot of things, especially when he's sending snapchats out saying that he got his helped his team get to the playoffs it's like dude you played five minutes <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, but what an what a remarkable five minutes it was jordan oh my god <laughs> i'm so mad that i was even like yeah like i made so many excuses for him and it's it's unfortunate but with that being said uh you want to do one more you want to do a text message or a voicemail before we get out of here sure um okay i i know we touched on this a little bit uh, in our in our recent episode, but nine two eight texts in saying dream scenario: Dame asks to be traded, Bulls land a pick one through four and use it in a package to land Dame. What else do you think we should have? We would have to give up to get him. I'm not sure how the money side of things works, uh, so I'll leave that up to you guys. Keep up the great work. All right, so Jordan, we can dive a little bit further and. Uh, if you want some further detail on exactly what the Bulls could do as far as trading draft picks after the Vooch trade, because they also, you know, already, as our texture pointed out there, owe two picks to Orlando. And the it's called like the step-in rule where you can't trade successive draft picks. Um, so that's why, you know, the Bulls did 2021-2023. If the Bulls do, in fact, get lucky and jump into the top four in this upcoming lottery – and retain that pick, they could trade it. But then they wouldn't be able to trade picks from 2022 through 2026. Check out uh, Ryan Borgia on Twitter. If you don't follow him, he's great with bull salary cap stuff and NBA rules. Some of it was broken down in a recent column by our guy Rob Schaefer on NBC Sports Chicago. So check that out. Um, But yeah, like it's very complicated if you're talking about trying to come up with a Dame trade. With the Bulls, the salary stuff is actually like the the less complicated part. You just need to get close to, by the way, oh, my God, 
his Supermax extension kicker kicks in this upcoming season and he's making just over $39 million. So if you're the Bulls, you need to get to around $33 million, which is doable, but it's going to take you probably three, if not four players to get there. If the Bulls are if the Bulls are even entertaining this possibility, it would mean that they're going all in, right? They're going to re-sign Vooch long-term. They're going to re-sign Zach long-term. And then whatever else you can get to fill the pieces around it, right? But essentially, you want to make sure you're covered so you don't you don't go out trade for Dame, and then Zach walks or and or Vooch walks, and then you're screwed. You don't even have a first round pick for the next what three seasons? Like you said, to the end of twenty to what twenty twenty seven, you don't have a pick till. So that would be my my theory going into it, and that's fine. Like if you're willing to trade guys like Patrick Williams and Kobe White and everybody else to make a saying a we're gonna make a run over the next four years, and this is our three headed monster, right? I'm the, okay with it. Are you okay with that? I mean, yeah, because yeah, I think we kind of flirted with it the other day. Just the idea of Dame, Zach, Vooch, and and some surrounding role players. Do I want to see how far that team can get in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Hell yeah, I do. Um, might that team have some defensive issues? Yes, but guess what? People were questioning Brooklyn's defensive issues when they put this three-headed juggernaut together. And right now, they look to be cruising through the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm trying to Defense think. matters a lot less than it used to. This is opening up a can of worms, and we don't have to go down this road, but is Zach, is Zach better? I always do this. Is Zach, is Zach better than CJ McCollum? Yes. Okay. I, I was just asking the question. Uh, if Zach's better than CJ McCollum, then... Was C.J. McCollum an all-star this year? I actually I mean, don't know the I, I answer like, to that. Apples and oranges because <laughs> like East Coast, West Coast, they're still doing all-stars by conference, and it's a hell of a lot harder to get in in the Western Conference. That's just reality. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. Like Especially if Zach, if Zach is this year Zach, then he's better than C.J. Uh, is, is Vooch better than Nurkic like when Nurkic is healthy? Yeah. Then it's an upgrade for... I feel I mean, like it's an upgrade for Dame. Has Nurkic ever averaged 20 and 10 on a season? Because I'm pretty sure Vooch has done that multiple times. I don't think so, but I don't want to say for sure. Because uh, didn't he have like a borderline all-star season right before he got hurt? I could, Again, I, I don't my Trailblazers I'm, history I'm looking is not, him up. I'm looking him up real quick. It's um, not great. He made all-rookie in 14-15. No all-star appearances for Nurkic. Best season was... Last season, 1920, when in... Oh, but he only played eight games because he got hurt. Statistically, that was his best season. Um, so, 72 games in 18-19, he averaged 15.5 and 10.5. So, yeah, he's he's got... Um, he's got some 15 and 10 seasons, but not, not Vooch level. Yeah, he's not the... De- like I know Vooch isn't a great defender either. Um, he's also not as good of a passer, I think, than Vooch is. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess my point asking those questions is this would be a clear upgrade for Dame, and it can't be like one of those. Hey, it's a little. It's like a baby step. It's got to be like a massive jump for him to make that type of commitment too. Because just like we were talking about on last the last episode, man, you you said it. Just like sort of like Bradley Beal, he doesn't want to leave Washington. Wants to see it through. Um, if he doesn't do that, I think it's got to be to a clear place where he knows it's a massive upgrade from the place that he's at right now. 
Yeah. And the other element to this, because, you know, Bulls fans aren't the only fans guilty of this, but a lot of times when they're talking about trades, it's like, okay, well, you look at it just from the Bulls' perspective. What do we need to do to make this work? You also need to make it work for the other team. So as high as we might be on some of these young pieces that might be included in that trade, P-Dub and Kobe White, namely, are they exciting enough for Portland to then also say, we're okay with giving up Dame, getting a couple of these young players. We'll see what we have with them. But the real meat of the deal we're getting in giving up Dame, a generational talent and the second best shooter in the league right now, one of the best scorers in the league right now, you got to wait for those picks. Because again, based on the rules of the league and how trading picks works, the Blazers wouldn't see the picks yielded to them from the Bulls until 2026. That's a lot of waiting around for the meat of your deal. Yeah, they, yeah. like you're not even, like they're not even picking up the phone if you don't have a top four pick. If you don't have the top four pick and you're not including Patrick Williams and Kobe White in it, like, right. I, if so, I was a Blazers, you know, I'd say no. And, and the texter who kicked off this conversation said, you know, if the Bulls do get lucky and get that top four pick, then the the Dame conversation becomes a bit more interesting because you're saying, okay, here are a couple of our really exciting young players and a top four pick in this class that has probably four or five potential, you know, star caliber players at the top of it. And then we'll throw in another pick further down the road. Maybe that gets you a lot closer as far as what Portland would say is fair and, and what they would demand from, from Dame. And it would probably even be multiple picks down the road. But having the one right now would probably, you know, be less of a gut punch when you're talking about losing a player like Dame. Well, for Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Tubes. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot.